know if you've ever bought a piece of exercise equipment or joined some sort of health club or maybe read a diet book or part of a diet book, but, but my guess is a whole bunch of us have. Uh, I, I, want, I, I want you to think back to the time when you were first touring that health club. It's interesting, isn't it? They, they start showing you around. They show you the pool. They show you the you know, exercise space. They show you the track, and, and they teach you how to use all the fancy treadmills and all the equipment, and, and there was just something that you felt. You felt excited you felt like there was something big about to happen or i remember when we got the atkins diet book and i started reading it and what do you do you start highlighting things and then you go all crazy and you walk over to the pantry and all of a sudden you're like this has got to go this has got to go that's got to go and that's got to go and you start kind of throwing all this stuff away and your kids are getting scared at this point because they don't know what they're going to eat right uh, but you just feel like something good is about to happen i remember we bought this professional grade treadmill machine and I gathered up a bunch of guys from church and we carried that thing downstairs and we put it all together and it was like the real deal and I just felt good I felt like like it's big like something good is about ready to explode you know so do you remember how you felt when this happened my guess is you had an experience like this and and when they delivered the treadmill machine you felt healthier when you joined the gym you felt healthier is like it's like you were already going out and getting the new gym clothes the exercise clothes and you looked in the mirror and you said i look skinnier already just because you joined the gym or or when you started reading that diet book you felt like healthier you felt like you were moving in the right direction there was progress and and there might have been progress but were you actually healthier come on no you weren't you weren't actually healthier you were making progress but you but you actually weren't changing anything at that point uh, one of my problems is I love to go to these home improvement type of stores right and I get this weird thing going on like I look at my house and I go I gotta fix some things I gotta clean some things I want to paint some things I gotta organize some things and so my deal is I go to the like these home improvement stores and I buy it all I just buy everything I need um, and it just sits there and I have every good intention. I, I want to get it all done. Uh, but if you were to go to my house right now, I have a room in my basement literally filled with things that have been sitting there for years. Decorations that haven't been hung on the wall. Equipment that hasn't been put up. Paint that hasn't been put on the wall. What's so funny is when I bought all the stuff, I felt good about it. I felt like I was making progress. But the truth is, application makes all the difference, doesn't it? Application is when it becomes real in our lives. religious world or with our spirit life. Here's how it works for so many of us. We we come into a place like this and we we listen and we you know participate by sitting in the rows and being in the building and, and we think something has changed. We think something has it, that, that is real and authentic in our relationship with God has occurred and and really it, it hasn't. We we think that if we sing some songs and we listen to some words and and we feel bad or if we cry a little bit or if something is moved a little bit in our hearts, we, we feel like we've had this sort of religious experience, like God somehow needs to give us credit just for being here, just for listening. But friends, it's not true at all. We've been saying that application makes all the difference. Application makes it real in our lives. And 
And so this is where this series comes in. We're calling it the App Store. And we, we've been saying that you have to apply it. Application makes all the difference. And we started to get around some of the words of James, the brother of Jesus, where he said, you can't just listen to the word, but you have to do it. You, you can't just hear it, but you have to somehow put it into practice in your life. And, and, and here's the funny thing about this series in particular. We're talking to Christian people, people who self-identify, who say, I want to follow. I want to live life with God under God's leadership. And, and so if this is you, we've got to somehow figure out how to put these things into practice, into our life. But if you're not a Christian, if you're someone here who's saying, you know what, this isn't for me. I'm not even sure about all this. You get a free pass on this stuff. You, you, you This isn't necessarily for you. We can't hold you accountable to something that, that you haven't personally ascribed to. But I'll tell you this. I think if you did apply some of this stuff to your life, it would change life. I think it would change it for the better. I think it would do a lot of good. And so we're going to be talking about apps in our life, application from God's Word, specific parts of God's Word into our life. And, and today I want to introduce you to a concept that nobody talks about, that almost we're afraid to even say out loud. But if you were to read through the pages of the Bible, you would see that this idea of confession, confessing our sins is all the way through the Bible. And today, we're going to talk about it. And so when you think of this idea of confession, you basically think Catholic, right? Uh, and if you were raised Catholic, you, you were taught that you went to the church, you went to the priest, and, and you entered the confessional, and you you basically did the sacrament of penance, where, where you had your sins absolved, where, where your sin bucket was sort of emptied out, and then you kind of went back to your life, and you kind of started over. Uh, and that can be a good enough thing. Uh, but as, as Protestants, we actually think we have something better than the Catholics, because our idea of penance is a little bit different. Our idea of confession is a little bit different. So what we do is it works something like this. You go through your week, you sin a whole bunch, and, and your sin bucket gets kind of filled up, and, and then you eventually lie your head down at night, and you're asleep. Just before you go to sleep, you put your head on the pillow, and uh, you you confess. You, you say, God, I'm really sorry. God, I really screwed this up. And, and it's like uh, God forgives you, and you go directly to God. And so we think it's it's superior to the Catholics because we don't have to go to the church. We don't, have to, we don't have to bother the priest. We don't have to waste any time like that. Heck, we can even get all of our sins erased just by lying our head on the pillow. It's crazy good, right? Um, but the system for us is essentially the same, that, it, that it, it empties our sin bucket out. We feel guilty. We do some things. We feel guilty. And then we, we, we pray. We, we kneel down by the edge of the bed and we pray. We, and we start it all over. It's like our sin bucket gets emptied out so we can start it all over again. Now, I'm kind of having a little fun with you on this, but, but it's true in all religious systems, whether it's Catholicism or, or Protestants, you know, Baptists or Presbyterians, we all have a scheme. We all have a way that we think we outsmart God, where, where somehow we fooled God into thinking we're all clean, we're all good, right? It, it's true. We, we all have a way of figuring out how to get our sin bucket emptied out. It's true. We think we have a system that actually outsmarts God. We think that once we confess our sin, we say a prayer, we go to penance, we, we, we go to confession, we, we lie our head down on the pillow, and we, we confess something, we think God actually forgets it. It's like, it's like and then when we go out and sin again and fill our sin bucket up again and we come back and confess it again, we think God's going, what? 
you did what? This is like the first time you did what? You never did this before? We think somehow we have fooled God into thinking over and over that this is the first time. And so we keep praying about the same thing. We keep sinning over and over on the exact same thing and nothing ever changes. But really, do you think God actually forgets our sin? No, he doesn't. He doesn't actually forget our sin. I'll tell you why. It's because every single day there are a whole bunch of people out loud reminding God about just how sinful you really are. I mean, you got your ex-wife talking about you. You got your children talking about you. You got the guy at work talking about all the stuff that you do, all the mistakes you made. And they're saying it out loud. And yet we actually think when we go back to God after filling our sin bucket again, that he's forgotten our sin. He hasn't. He really hasn't. actually forget our sin. It's not like God has a memory problem, right? I mean, but there are a few verses in the Bible that get twisted around and people start to think that God has a memory issue and so he's forgetful that he forgets our sin. And, but the truth is that God doesn't forget our sin. He, he really doesn't. As a matter of fact, you, you Bible type people, you, you remember this story. There's a story in the Bible that records a heinous sin by a man named King David and don't say the name, though. Don't say your name, because God might have actually forgotten. No, no, no. God doesn't forget. The Bible actually documents sin. The Bible actually records some of the worst sin that mankind has ever perpetrated on one another. It's true. But, but what's the issue then? You see, the issue is that when we start to feel guilty, we think that going to God will somehow make us feel better. When our sin bucket gets full, we think that somehow going to God, he will forget he will empty out our sin bucket and, and we got enough guilt inside of us. We got enough distance inside of us that we want to make that right before God. And so we go to confessional or we go to lay down at night and we say, oh God, I did it again. Oh God, I didn't mean to, but I did it again. I did it again. And we just hash the same thing over and over and over. But here's the deal. Confession is not meant to make us feel guilty. Confession is meant to change us. True confession is not made to make us feel like, oh, we're terrible people and we just keep struggling over and over and over. No, no, no. True confession is meant to drive us to change. It's meant to change our lives. Here's what you find in Scripture. That confession, genuine confession, leads to a first step towards something different. Genuine confession leads to this thing called repentance. And, there, and there's a huge difference. You see, confession is this idea that you're, you're paying penance, that you're admitting to something, that you're confessing something that's already obvious. You're, you're, you're admitting what's going on in your heart. You're admitting what you've done. And, and that's a big deal. Confession is like a first step, but it's really meant to lead you to this thing called repentance. And repentance is 100% is different. Repentance says that 
that you don't want to do it again, that you want to change, that you truly want to be different. True confession leads to something else. It leads to this thing called repentance. And again, there's a big difference. And what's interesting is that repentance leads to something else. Repentance leads to this idea of reconciliation. It's this idea that most of our sin, most of the things that we've ever struggled with, they involve somebody else. They usually involve more than just yourself and God. But we often want to just keep it between just us and God, even when our sin affects somebody else. And, and so somehow we think that if we're going to just talk to God about it, that it'll just go away. But you don't see that in the scripture. Matter of fact, you see that, that the scripture says that all confession leads to change. All confession is meant to drive a transformation in your life. And when you start to bring somebody else into it, it raises the level of accountability. It raises the level of awareness. It, it, it almost forces you to become who you want to truly become. As a matter of fact, if you were to look in the scripture, uh, you would be hard-pressed to find any confession that doesn't involve you telling somebody else what's going on in your heart. Whether you sinned against somebody else or maybe you sinned just against God, maybe it's an internal thing, but you almost always find it related to confessing to God and to man. In fact, if you were to read through the pages of Scripture about this idea of confession, uh, you will rarely find, almost never will you find somebody just confessing their sin to God alone. Almost always they bring somebody else into it. And I think there's some reasons for this, where, where God will say, confess your sin to me and to somebody else. And there's a reason for it, because it brings a new level of expectation in your life. It, it brings a new level of accountability. And remember that all confession is not about relieving guilt. All of it is about changing your habits, changing who you are, changing the struggle. It's about transformation of the life. It's about transformation of the soul. For example, if you were to go into the Old Testament part of the Bible, it's very interesting. There is the story of the people of Israel leaving uh, Egypt. They had been in slavery for 400 years. All they knew was slavery. And so people didn't have rules. They didn't have uh, ways to govern themselves and interact because they, they lived their whole lives as slaves. And so God was literally taking a people group called Israel and was starting over with them. And, and the people were just used to having a master. A master would tell them what to do and they would do it. It was that simple. And so now they're trying to figure out how to live life, how to do life. And so God begins to give them rules about how to interact with one another. Here's what it says in the book of Numbers, chapter 5, starting in verses 5 and 6. It says, then the Lord says to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. In other words, they don't know how to live. They don't know how to live in community. They don't know how to get along. I'm going to tell you how to treat one another. And then he says this, if any of the people, either men or women, betray the Lord by doing wrong to another person, they are guilty. Now this is really remarkable, isn't it? Because not only are you guilty when you do wrong against God, but you actually do wrong against God when you do wrong against somebody else. And so uh, if you talk bad about somebody or if you gossip about somebody or if you are uh, stealing type of things or if you somehow sexually uh, behave in, in, in improper towards somebody else, all of those things are not only wrong with that person, but they're wrong between you and God. And so Moses begins to tell them about how to figure this whole thing out. And it says this, they must, listen to this, they must confess their sin and 
make restitution. This is really interesting. They must confess it and make restitution. So in other words, it's not good enough just to go to God over in the corner and go, God, I'm really sorry I really hurt that person. God, I really uh, damaged that relationship or I took something from that person. It's not good enough just to say, God, 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 I made a mistake. Please, let's keep this between me and you. No, no, no. It says that person must go and make restitution. This is how you live out. This is the application of the scripture. This is how you make things right with God and man. So he says they must confess their sin and go and make restitution. It's like a third R. We have repentance, reconciliation, and now restitution. In other words, it's not good enough to keep it between just you and God. It requires something more. And then he says, I'm not done with this yet. He says there's even more to this idea of restitution. He actually lays it on a little thicker. And he says uh, they must go to that person and make restitution for what they have done, adding an, an additional 20% and returning it to the person who was wrong. Confess the sin they have committed. It's interesting. He says not only do you have to go confess it to God, you have to go confess it to the other person, and not only do you have to go and try to make it right with that person, you've got to pay them back. And not just pay them back for what you've hurt them over, you've got to give them a little something more. So not only do you have to confess your sin before God, you have to confess your sin towards somebody else, you have to go back and say you're sorry and try to make it right, but you also have to pay them back. And it says not only do you have to pay them back, but you have to give them more than what you hurt them over. You have to actually give them more than you stole, give them more than you broke. You have to give them an additional 20%. We're like going, whoa, whoa, God, can't we just keep this between me and you when I lay my head down at night on the pillow? Can't we just say I'm sorry over and over for the same thing over and over? And God says, no, the reason you go and tell somebody else is because it forces a change. It forces you to go from, from just confessing to repentance to reconciliation and now restitution, to making it right, to changing. As a matter of fact, in the New Testament part of the Bible, uh, Jesus uh, is, is walking down the road one day and there's a great crowd. There's always crowds around Jesus. And, and all these people were crowding in to hear him. And there was a man, and the Bible says he was a short man. Uh, like a certain pastor in our church. And uh, he, he was a short man, and his name was Zacchaeus. And he wanted to hear Jesus, but he couldn't see over the crowd. He couldn't hear through the crowd. And so it says Zacchaeus climbed a sycamore tree. He actually climbed up in a tree, hoping that Jesus would come by. And, and when Jesus was walking by teaching, that he would actually hear from Jesus, right? And so uh, Zacchaeus does this. He's up in the tree. Jesus comes and he's talking to the crowd. And he must have stopped. And he, we don't know what he taught, but we know that Zacchaeus was listening. He was listening because it says in the scripture that Zacchaeus, he climbs down this tree. He cuts through the crowd and he comes up to Jesus and he invites Jesus into his home. Now, what's interesting is Zacchaeus isn't like the rest of us. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Now, if you were to put like a list of sinners together, a tax collector in this day was above and beyond. Like a tax collector was like the worst kind of sinner because, uh, because tax collectors not only worked for Rome, but they betrayed their own people. You see, Rome would say you have to collect $100 in taxes, but whatever you collect above and beyond that, you could keep for yourself, and you had all the power of Rome behind you. And, and so these tax collectors, they would abuse their own people and take money from them, and they would become fabulously wealthy. And, and, and Zacchaeus was one of these men. He was fabulously wealthy, but he comes, he hears Jesus, and he says, Jesus, I want you to come 
and come to lunch at my house, come to dinner at my house, to come and eat with me. And the crazy thing is, and this drove everybody nuts, Jesus accepted this invitation to the worst kind of sinner. He accepted this invitation to a tax collector's house. And so Jesus is there, Zacchaeus is there, and we're not sure what Jesus taught, but he must have taught something because we're told how Zacchaeus responds to Jesus. And this is what it says. It's very interesting. It's found in the book of Luke, chapter 19, and it says, Zacchaeus stood up at his little party, at his little luncheon, and he says to the Lord, listen, he says, look, Lord, here and right now, he's like beginning to confess, right? He's beginning to open up the lid a little bit. He says, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And then he says, something crazy. Then he says something absolutely crazy. He says, and if I have cheated anyone out of anything, not only am I going to give them back the 20% that Moses required, but I'm going to go way above and beyond that. He was, he was confessing. He was repenting. He was trying to reconcile. And listen, now he says, I'm going to make restitution. I am going to make this right. Because he says this, he says, I will pay them back four times the amount. This is crazy. Zacchaeus literally has this moment, this encounter with God, where he says, I'm going to make God's word real to me. I'm going to make God's word applicable. I'm not even going to just say, oh God, I'm sorry for doing wrong things. I'm going to go make this right. I'm going to change who I am. The Bible seems to teach us that this isn't just between us and God that our sin involves other people. Sometimes it's directly because of what we've done to somebody else, but, but it, it seems to indicate that we gotta bring other people into it. Zacchaeus was saying this, he was saying, this isn't just between me and God. This is between me and somebody else. And I have to get accountability. I have to grow, I have to change. Because listen, all true confession leads to true change every single time. There's another spot in the New Testament part of the Bible, uh, James, the brother of Jesus, who started this whole thing about, you know, apply it. Don't just hear it, but apply it. He says something one time that goes a little bit like this. It's found in the book of James, chapter 5, verse 15. He says, therefore, listen to this, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you will be healed. James says it's just not good enough to go to God and say, God, I'm sorry. God, I'm so sorry. God, I've done it again. God, I screwed up again. God, will you help me this time? Will you help me this time? He seems to say something more. He says, you've got to bring somebody else into the picture in order to find healing, in order to find a true change. Here's the bottom line. Genuine confession always leads to genuine change every single time. And so if you see in your own life, when you're holding up a mirror to your own heart and you see that, that you have this perpetual rhythm going on with God, you go fill up your sin bucket, you go, God, I'm so sorry, God, I'm so sorry, I don't want to do this anymore. And then you get it all emptied out and then you start over again. You have to understand something. When you see that in your own life, there is a word to describe that. The word is hypocrite. Now, now, let me tell you a story. Let's flip this around a little bit. Let's say that you owned a, a restaurant, right? A little family deal. And uh, every week you're working hard and you notice, you know, that there's like two or $300 missing from the till every single week and you can't quite figure it out. And so you install some cameras. Uh, you, maybe somebody tips you off to something. Maybe one of the other employees lets you in on some secret that's been going on. But you're absolutely convinced that somebody has taken two or $300. And then through all of your research, you figure out that, that it's so-and-so. It's a certain guy who works for you who, that you really thought you trusted. And uh, you go up to him and you got him corner because you got all the evidence, you got it on film, and you, you got the whole deal, and, and you say to him, you say, hey, Joe, listen, man, um, 
we're coming up two, three hundred dollars every single week short in a till. And he goes, oh, I, I didn't do it, I didn't do it. And you say, yeah, yeah, you did because we actually got it on film. We know that you did it and we have it recorded. And what if he says to you, what if he says to you, he goes, oh man, it's okay. Yeah, you know, I, I, sold, uh, I sold a little something, but, but I'm a Christian. And, and he says, and you gotta understand that I use some of that money to help my church. I actually use some of that money that I'm taking from you to do some good things. I give to the homeless or whatever. You would go like, I don't care what you're doing with it. It's not your money. It's my money, right? You'd be going, well, you can't go stealing it from me to go do whatever you feel is good to do with it. You would call that person a, a hypocrite, would you not? Every single time. You're pretending to be something that you're not. You think you got this little game worked out with God where where you go and do something over and over and over and you just go back and say, I'm sorry. And you say, are we cool, God? Are we cool, God? Are we good? And God says, no. No, you're not good. You see, the point of confession is never meant to make you feel guilty. It's meant to cause change in your life. But we often feel once we're absolved, once we have got it off our chest, that we're okay. We're not okay. The point of confession is to change something about who we are. And this is where application makes all the difference. You are not honoring God. You're not fooling God. You're playing games with God. You think that God forgets or something. You think you're confusing God by, by like, oh, I've sinned again, God, but you forgot it last time and you're going to forget it again. You're, God is not forgetful. God does not um, play these games with us. He says, I want you to change something. Listen, God is patient, but he's not confused. And he looks at you and he looks at me when we play these games and he says, you're a hypocrite. You're a hypocrite if you think you're going to spin confession in order to make you feel better, but you have no intention to change a thing. And he says, I'm not going to let that fly forever. It doesn't work that way. eventually consume your soul. It'll become a cancer to who you really want to become. And it'll always keep you from God. You see, because true confession 
always, always, always is about life change, every single time. And there are just some things that we can't change on our own. And so, what do you need to tell and who do you need to tell it to? What brother or sister, what trusted friend in Christ that, that you need to go to and confide in them and, and share that struggle? Because all of us have this stuff. Every single one of us have something buried in us that we are never gonna conquer on our own. We need people. We need to confess it in order to move toward repentance, to move toward reconciliation, and ultimately make restitution both with God and man. Because the goal is never to come to a place like that. It's never to show up in a church like this and just to feel guilty. It, 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 the goal is to change our lives. It's to apply God's word to who we are and to become all that he wants us to become. Well, that was a pretty heavy message for the first nice weekend of spring, don't you think? <laughs> hey, you know, we're in this series called App Store, and the, the whole series is about getting around some topics that we feel as a church really need to be applied to our lives. There's so many of these things in the Bible that we hear about all the time. We think about them maybe, but, but we don't take that next step and really apply them in our lives. And this is one of those subjects. And the, the tagline for this series, it's, it's called App Store, but the tagline is, is download, open, and use. Now the download portion happened just because you showed up in church today. You're here. You just got downloaded on by Jeremy. He downloaded some information into your life. It's up to you to be open to it. The download has to be open. And this is you just deciding. You're going to open your heart to what God wants to say to you. We can't make that happen. We, we, can, we can download the information, but it really is up to you to open your heart to God. So you heard some things this morning. The question is, is your heart open to it? Is your heart open to what God wants you to do with this information? Because even the openness is not enough. The download is one thing. The openness is another thing. But even that's not enough. You then have to use what you've opened yourself up to. You have to walk out of here. You have to actually do something with the information. And so this idea of confession is one of those areas. This is a huge area of the Christian faith. The Bible has a lot to say about this topic that Jeremy just shared with us. Let me tell you how huge confession is. There's a promise in the Bible. It's in, it's in 1 John 1, 8. This is what God says. He says, if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Listen, confession to God is about forgiveness. If you want forgiveness from God, you need to confess your sin to Him. He is faithful and just to forgive your sin. And it goes even further. There's a passage in, in James 5.13 that says, If you confess your sins to one another and pray for one another, you will be healed. So confession to God is about forgiveness. Confession to one another is about healing and real change in your life. This idea of confession. You, you ever have a moment in your life, you know, this, this, this concept of confession, the best definition I think I've ever heard of it is when you agree with God about your sin. 
That's what real confession is. You ever have a moment in your life where, where you knew you should fe feel sorry for something, but you just didn't? You ever have a moment like that? You knew you should be sorry, but you're not sorry. Or if you have kids, you, you know what this is like, because I have, I have four kids at home. Actually, I only have three left. My oldest just had her first child. I just became a grandfather 10 days ago. How crazy is that? <laughs> um, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking to yourself, he's not old enough to be a grandfather. Right? Is that what you're thinking? And that's true, only not, evidently. Uh, but look, I, I got three kids that still live at home with me. It's crazy because two of them are six years old, so aunt and uncle to my grandkid are six. That's kind of weird, too. Uh, but I have six-year-old twins at home, and they have a 12-year-old brother. And I don't even need to tell you what that is like in a home, right? We have a 12-year-old brother with six-year-old twins. They're constantly just at each other. And the 12-year-old's bigger and stronger. He can just impose his will whenever he wants, pretty much. But it creates conflict between them. They're constantly just bickering with each other. And they're hurting each other in certain ways, you know? And, and, and so, you, you, know, you know, what you do as a parent, you want to be the good parent, you say, hey, you need to go apologize to your brother or to your sister. Tell her you're sorry. You need to go give her a hug. You know what happens, right? The reluctant hug. You know what that looks like? They're looking away the whole time, a disgusted look. The, the reluctant hug, I'm sorry. And then they, they go away as fast as they can. That's not real confession, right? We all know that. Confession can't be forced. Confession is willing. Confession, when it relates to God, confession is when you agree with God about your sin. When you get to the place in your life where you realize that when God says not to do something, it's because he loves you and wants what's best for you. And you get to the place where you realize that the sin in your life is destructive to your life and you just want to be done with it. You want to get rid of it. You want to turn away from it. And you come to God and you just confess this. God, I've blown it. And you agree with God about your sin. That's what confession is. When you get to the place where you just realize God's right. I need to get this out of my life. I need to turn away from this. This is ruining my life. This is destructive to myself and my relationships in life. And God has a promise. If you come to him that way, if you confess your sins, he is faithful he is just to forgive your sins. And that's a crazy little word, that word just. What in the world does justice have to do with forgiving my sin? How is it justice when God forgives me? I mean, you realize what this is saying. It's saying that it would be unjust for God not to forgive your sin. It would be wrong of God if he didn't forgive your sin, if you come to him with real confession. I'll go this far. God would be sinning if he didn't forgive you when you come to him in confession. How does that work? Why is God's justice at stake in forgiveness? I'll tell you why. Because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Listen, Jesus came into this world. God sent him to live a sinless life on your behalf, to die a sinner's death for you and for me and to pay the penalty for our sin to purchase at the cost of his own blood our forgiveness and that's an incredible thing to hear because what it means is this it means that when Jesus died on the cross it became justice Jesus paid it all Jesus paid it all all to him I owe sin had left a crimson stain 
washed it white as snow. This is what our Savior did for us, which means it's justice for God to forgive you. You come to him with real confession because of what Jesus has done. God will, God wants to, I'll go so far, God must forgive you. There's nothing that you can do that's too bad that, that God can't forgive because of what Jesus has done on the cross for us. So you come to him with confession. It's about forgiveness. And then you take that next step and you want real healing to come. Because once you get to the place where you agree with God about your sin, you realize how destructive it is. You want to be done with it. You want to be rid of it. If you want real healing to come into your life, real change to happen, not just forgiveness. Forgiveness is where it begins. You want real healing. You want real change to come into your life. Open up to somebody. Let somebody in, a brother or sister in Christ, to come alongside of you and help you to overcome things. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for one another. And you will be healed. You want healing and real change. This is what we need. And so what I want to lead us through right now together, I want to give us a chance right here to take the download, right? The download that's been given, this information from God. Give us a chance to open ourselves up to it and even start to use a little bit of it right now, right here in the room. Here's the question I'd like you to ask yourself today. What do you need to tell? Who do you need to tell it to? We're gonna think and talk about this for a minute, but I'd just like you to take a risk with me right now. I'd like to invite you just to together, but also just individually between you and God, spend a few moments with God confessing your sin agreeing with God about your sin and you know what it is you struggle with I, you know, maybe it's lust maybe lust is something that you struggle with in your life sexual lust and that wouldn't surprise me if that's 80% of us in this room would not surprise me because we live in a culture that bombards us with sexual imagery and sexual content it is almost impossible to avoid, and the allurement of it all, it grips us sometimes. And God says, it's destructive for your life. He says, I have a plan for that area of your life. You step outside of my plan. It is destructive to you. It's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt relationships. This is no joking matter. And it's time for you to come to the place where you agree with God about this. Confess that sin to him. Receive his forgiveness. Maybe you struggle with anger in your life. I know I do. It's one of my sins that easily entangle me. We have those, right? Sins that easily entangle you. I lose my temper sometimes with my family, and I want to overcome it. i got to get to the place where I agree with God about that sin in my life, where the Scripture says man's anger does not produce the righteousness of God. It does not help me. It doesn't help my relationships. It doesn't help anything or anyone. It is destructive in my life. And you confess that to God. Receive forgiveness. Maybe it's greed that you struggle with. Maybe it's pride or arrogance. Maybe it's some sort of an addiction. Whatever it is for you, confess it to God. Be forgiven today. The faithfulness and the justice of God meeting you at the point of your sin with mercy, grace, and forgiveness. You can, wash, you can leave here washed clean today. And then figure out what do you need to tell and who do you need to tell it to so you can really start to heal and change. And if you don't have someone, as you think about this, if you don't have someone that you can tell, 
Listen, we have a whole ministry in this church that's built around that. It's called Renew. They meet right next door every Tuesday night. Let me tell you what Renew is all about. Renew is a place to find healing and real change in your life. Renew is a place where people get together and they open up to one another about things they struggle with. Anything. Whatever it is you struggle with in your life. A relationship problem, an addiction, whatever it might be. Any struggle that you're, you're trying to overcome and you just can't quite do it on your own. You need people to rally around you and help you. That's what Renew is for. There's a whole bunch of you in this room. Your next step to find real change, real healing in your life is to attend Renew. Start opening up about it a little bit. So I invite you right now, maybe you're brand new to the Christian faith. You, You don't even know what's going on right now. Take a chance with this. Just bow your heads with me. Close your eyes. Everywhere across the room. I want to invite you into a moment now with God where you confess your sins to him. Put a name to them. What are they? Call them out. Name them. Agree with God about the sins that you struggle with in your life. Confess them to God and receive his forgiveness right now. Just take a moment with God to do that. Receive God's forgiveness, His faithfulness, and His justice. If you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Receive that from Him today. Confession to God is about forgiveness. barriers in your relationship with God can just be removed in a moment. Anything that keeps you from him, any guilt or shame that you deal with in your life can be just removed in an instant as you confess your sin. Agree with God about it. Now, take that next step now and ask God to reveal to you, just to speak to you in just a quiet, still way. Ask him to reveal to you, what do you need to share? What do you need to tell? And who do you need to tell it to? Ask him to help you to decide, what is it that you need to share with someone? And who do you need to share it with? And decide right here. To start that process of real healing and real change in your life. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you might be healed. Ask God if maybe you're someone that should take a chance and go to Renew Tuesday night, 7 o'clock. Does God want you to do that? 
God, thank you so much for your love for us, for your grace, for inviting us to come to you, Lord, with, with all of our guilt and shame and sin, for not pushing us away, but inviting us in, and, and, and for doing everything that's needed to break down the walls between us, for sending your son into the world to put on display for everyone to see your love, your faithfulness, your justice, Lord. That moment when your love and your justice held hands as Jesus died on the cross and the penalty for our sin was paid and our forgiveness was purchased. Lord, thank you so much. We can't even find words to express our gratitude to you and, and our response of love back to you. Lord, lead us now into real healing and real change. Lead us, Lord. By your spirit, Lord, lead us to take those next steps with you. What do we need to tell? Who do we need to tell it to? Lord, we want to walk out of here with you and find that healing, God. Confessing our sins to you, confessing our sins to one another, agreeing with you about them so that we can experience real change. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.